Welcome to XX Will Travel, a podcast for independent women travelers. I'm Kathy Polkerbeck. I'm Inez Bellina. And together we are XX Will Travel. So Inez has just returned from a very liberating vacation in beautiful Guatemala. So that's the topic of our show today. We're going to hear about her vacation and get any insights, impressions, and tips that Inez has. Yeah. Sure. All right. So uh, the first question is, why did you choose to go to Guatemala? Why, indeed. <laughs> um, so I think my first consideration was the fact that I did not want to be stuck in an airplane for a really long time. So I began setting my sights on Central America. I also wanted it to be somewhere cheap, which surprisingly not all of Central America falls under this. Costa Rica can be kind of expensive. Um, so I decided on Guatemala, mostly because I knew it had a really rich cultural history. I understood that it had a pretty strong indigenous presence and had been um, a very important part of the Spanish vice royalty. So these are things that attract me to places. <laughs> dork. <laughs> I know, total dork. Which So I kind of decided to go for those reasons. Excellent. Mm-hmm. You're adorkable. I'm adorkable, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and how many days did you spend in Guatemala? I was there for nine days, although I should say probably that the first and last day were mostly travel days, so it was more like a week. And did you plan your itinerary beforehand, or did you just sort of wing it once you got there? I did a combination of both, though I have to say that this was probably the trip I least planned for. Um, Yeah, I mean, even days before, I still had no idea what it is that you exactly did or, you know, could see in Guatemala. (laughs) I only knew the locations I would be in, which were Antigua, which is kind of the main tourist city, and Lake Atitlan, which is also very touristed. And touristy, touristed, I don't know. Both, both, both. Um, And... I had a vague notion of why people went to those places, but I did not research at all. I think a couple of days before, I finally started flipping through my guidebook. The night before, I um, signed up for one tour that I liked online that seemed really interesting, which um, I can explain later, but it was a food tour. Ooh. (laughs) Yes. But other than that, I was actually a little nerve-wracking. My hotel's also were something I did maybe the week before, and until then I was kind of stressed out about it. So this isn't the way you travel normally? No, normally I have at least an idea of the main, like, monuments or museums or sightseeing activities I want to do. I don't plan out everything, but I do have a rough notion of, like, first day I will go to this museum, second day I'll do this, and in this case I really had no idea. Um, It was actually kind of nice, though, because it ended up working out in the end. Hmm. I think I enjoyed it just as much as if I had researched a ton. Nice. Yeah. And so you moved to several places between several cities. How did you get around the country? I used tourist shuttles. These are pretty easy to get. When I landed at the airport in Guatemala City, you actually leave the, the luggage claim area. And you can find a little stand that says shuttles to Antigua. These are kind of the safe vans that people usually use to transport themselves. You can also use the chicken buses, which is what locals use 
as main means of transportation. They're supposed to be super uber cheap, but they also have a tendency to get into crashes, fall down cliffs, and sometimes get hijacked. Oh. So, <laughs> to avoid that, I just coughed up the... I can't even remember what, the 10 or $15 or so that it cost me for the private tourist shuttle and got to Antigua safely. And I did the same thing um, from Antigua to Lake Atitlan. I just, again, used another um, private tourist shuttle. These are your shuttles, by the, these vans are usually filled with other travelers, by the way. It's not, when I say private, I don't mean that it's only you and a driver. Mm-hmm. It's more um, private in the sense that it's not local transportation or public transportation. Awesome. Yeah. So you had already gambled enough with your itinerary that you didn't feel like gambling on the chicken buses. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, you know, having grown up in Latin American cities, I think doing the whole uh, super cheap local transportation in Latin America can be overrated. Or at least I've done enough of it to know that if there's a safer option, I will take it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> So when I think of Guatemala, I mm-hmm. think of their civil war, which lasted like 40 years. Yes. I think of the banana companies mm-hmm. that exploited Guatemala. <laughs> I don't have a real positive impression. Apparently not. Which, <laughs> it's because I'm a dork too. <laughs> and I like history. And you know, history is never positive. Right. So what are some common misconceptions guide me (laughs) into a more positive frame of mind about Guatemala. I mean, we can talk about the safety issue now because I had my own misconception of Guatemala, Mm. which was that it was going to be a small Mexico and it wasn't. Oh, but my, but let's talk about it because I think the biggest general misconception is that Guatemala is a super unsafe place. Well, you know how we feel about State Department warnings and how we've talked about taking them with a grain of salt. Yes. So just for your reference, dear listeners, Guatemala has one of the highest violent crime rates in Latin America, which is why we're approaching the safety question. Yes, and I actually read the U.S. State Department warning before recording just to know what it was they were describing. So it does have one of the highest crime rates, and I know Guatemala City has a really high murder rate. Having said that, though, most of the crime is really tied towards drug smuggling and human trafficking. I am not part of those industries (laughs) yet. (laughs) So I was already shielded from a lot of the reasons why people in Guatemala get killed. Um, Second of all, it seems that a lot of the crimes such as, you know, the hijacking of buses that I mentioned or the kidnapping is also usually um, concentrated in the local population, whether it's because they, you know, are more used to unsafe conditions and kind of take those options or whether it's because they're in something murky or their family members are in something murky and therefore they have a target on their backs, which again, I didn't do as a tourist. I actually felt incredibly safe in Guatemala. Like, I'm not even trying to put a positive spin about this. Um, I am. I felt super, super, super safe. And again, as I said, I wasn't into anything sketchy. Number two, I didn't travel around in remote regions, mm-hmm. which I guess is something that um, can be very dangerous because of said drug trafficking and human trafficking. But number three, I'm, I have this theory that I'm somehow protected because of my swarthiness. <laughs> I 
And this is not just because of Guatemala. I think this is an around-the-world thing I've noticed. So I'm going to just segue into a little anecdote here. So I think as women travelers, what we're usually worried about when it comes to safety is like street harassment and sexual harassment and that kind of thing. When I was walking around Guatemala, I actually got no catcalls. What? No sort of harassment. The men that I interacted with, which granted tended to be in the service industry, but they were incredibly respectful, very gentlemanlike. Like, I couldn't have asked for more. I never once felt even close to being disrespected or flirted with or anything like that. Did you see it happen to other women? Well, this is the thing. Oh, this is the <laughs> I, thing. This is the thing. I, um, my food tour, which I will gladly talk about at length later, but it was a Taste, of Antigua, Taste Antigua tour. And the woman who runs the company is actually um, from Texas. She's a very cute blonde named Ariana. And I was the only one that signed up for the tour that day, which ended up being amazing. But just to stick to the safety part, because all of a sudden I was with a blonde woman, I got all of the catcalls that she got. They were using plural, whether <laughs> I'm saying it wasn't just her. I don't know if that was because they wanted to include me out of some weird sense of, re of like not leaving me out, or if it's because all of a sudden being next to an American, I suddenly went from being kind of a local to a foreigner. Wow. Because I could pass for a local. So I think when I passed for a local, I was treated amazingly well. I think once I got into the foreigner category, I got the cat calls. There is nothing you can do about how you look, I'm <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm just saying, strangely enough, I think that my... My tanned skin and dark hair and dark eyes actually end up protecting me in a lot of areas of the world because I can just pass for one of them. Which is kind of how I know that Eastern Europe is a little less catcally, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's how I felt in Eastern Europe because really? I look very Slavic <laughs> uh -huh. and I feel like I can blend in there. Right. And I would also like to apologize on behalf <laughs> of blonde women everywhere for blowing your cover. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so it was really interesting. And then as soon as I was alone, it went back to men being very respectful. Um, you know, I was never, like, followed around or anything like that. Do you think yeah. it's because you look more like their mothers? <laughs> oh, man, we're getting into some, like, crazy Freudian analysis here. That's another, another topic for another day. I know. Um... I don't, I, I, well, I also have this working theory that is very tied to my swarthy protection theory, which is that men around the world think that women from their country are prudes that don't want to give it up, and every foreigner is slutty. I mean, it's the reason why in the States, being a Latina, guys will think that I am super spicy picante, <laughs> which I'm like, oh man, it's going to be amazing to disappoint you. Um, and you know, you, but you know, Peruvians will be, will be like per, Peruvian women are, are like, you can't touch them oh. unless you've like declared their undying love for them. Obviously the truth is in the middle, but men don't operate that way. Right. And I yeah. like your swarthy protection theory, which shall from heretofore <laughs> be referred to as the Inez SPT. <laughs> yeah. Trademark, XX will travel. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I also will say that there's a lot of things I didn't do 
that maybe put travelers at risk. And not even because I felt unsafe, just because I'm too old for that. Right? I didn't go out at night that much. Like, I drink at my hostel, and by 10.30, I'd be in bed. But because I was tired and wanted to take advantage of the day, and I guess something that a lot of people do in Lake Atitlan is hike between towns that border the lake because it's a pretty hike. But in my mind, I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm walking two kilometers from one town to the next when I can take a boat that takes me there for five minutes. <laughs> because I'm a lazy bum. Um, well, so I don't know if that also like shielded me. I had a similar experience in Cambodia and Thailand because my friend was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So we didn't go out. Yeah. We took lots of naps. We sat by the pool, and I, it, like, it converted me. Right. I yeah. was like, this is so nice. Like, this is how normal people vacation. I know, exactly. Um, but, but having said that, I did meet a lot of solo female travelers in Guatemala, and most of them, um, maybe they complained a little bit about harassment, but for the most part, they felt very safe as well. So I think maybe the catcalling is, you know, the, the the most dangerous thing, if you will, but it didn't seem like anyone had any sketchy story. Nice. That's yeah. so good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so you've talked about this food tour. Yes. <laughs> and I want to hear more about it, and I want you to tell me and our dear listeners what the most delicious thing <laughs> you ate in Guatemala was. Oh, okay. So, um, so yeah, I think by now you guys know that all I really care to do when I travel is eat, apparently. Eat and not hike. Eat and not hike are my two things. So before we get to the food tour, first, I had so many smoothies while I was there because the fruit in Guatemala tastes like fruit should and oh. not, you know, some Monsanto genetically modified pale imitation of fruit. Um, so that was a treat, and I really also like their typical breakfast, which they will call like desayuno chapin, mm. uh, chapin being like the, the slang for, for Guatemalan. And it's very simple, and you can recreate it, but for some reason it blew my mind. <laughs> it was, it was um, scrambled eggs with tomato and onion and a side dish of black beans, um, usually some... Uh, some what they think would call like farmer's cheese, which is kind of like white. Crumbly. Yeah, crumbly type cheese. And tortillas, and sometimes you could get some avocado. Oh. Yeah, this is not groundbreaking stuff, but for some reason, it was the most delicious thing ever. <laughs> it sounds like deconstructed chilaquiles. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, and I will say that one of my misconceptions, which was that Guatemala was going to be like little Mexico, is that their food is actually not like Mexican food. Um, they, it's not very spicy. If they give you any hot sauce, it's usually on the side. But for the most part, it tends to be on the non-spicy side. And it, it, there seems to be a lot of stews as opposed to like, you know, kind of what you imagine, like tacos and things like that. Um, so when it came to the food tour, it was a taste in Tiwa tour, and it was very much focused on Guatemalan food. I was taken to several locations. Um, you know, one was the street food in, in one of the plazas. Then we also went to this tiny restaurant that had been owned by the same family for generations, which is actually very hard to find um, because most restaurants are kind of owned by, you know, rich 
rich Guatemala city folk. Right. <laughs> um, and then they hire the cooks, but this was actually a restaurant that was owned by the cooks themselves. And, and, and to have a continuous restaurant yeah. with all that political upheaval must be a really rare thing. Yeah, and it was super amazing. Um, and there I had pupusas, which are actually Salvadorian, but these... You know, because of the influence of Salvador and Guatemala, these women had learned how to make them. And also a typical Guatemalan sausage called longaniza, um, which had kind of a very savory tomato sauce on top of it, which Ooh. was really good. And then we also went to uh, Comedor, which is kind of what they called the very, like, cheap local restaurants. A lot of them are actually behind convenience stores. Huh. So you go into these little like bodegas, and then behind like the counter of the bodegas, where actually where the comedor actually is. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have we have similar things in Chicago too. Yeah, like restaurants in the back of grocery stores. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh. um, and there I had kind of Guatemala's main dish, which is pepian, which is a chicken stew. Um, super good. I think it had a lot of cumin in it, maybe, or at least that's what I tasted, and some potatoes. And I also had a typical dessert, which was kind of a fried banana um, filled with chocolate and black bean kind of pastry cream. Whoa. So good. And you didn't taste like the black bean. You know, it just kind of gave it a kick. That's awesome. But it was it was sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and God, we ate so much. We also went through <laughs> the market and we also had smoothies. I'm sure I'm like forgetting a ton of places, but... Ariana has really organized a great thing. Even though she's from the States, she lived in Antigua for several years as an NGO worker. Um, and then she decided to start this business on her own. And she spent like a good six months going to every single spot in Antigua. Wow. Yeah, to choose the place that she liked the best. That's awesome. Yeah. No, and she was super sweet too because I was the only one and it could have been awkward. But instead, we ended up talking a lot about being solo female travelers and the life of an expat and how she managed to open a business abroad because wow. my practical mind is like, well, do you have residency? Do you have <laughs> loans? Like, how does this work? <laughs> um, so I highly recommend Taste Antigua. And we will put that in the podcast notes. Yes. We'll put a link. For sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, any more food news? Because... You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. I feel like feel like I could keep talking for hours. But so, what was the favorite thing that you did in Guatemala? So my favorite thing was going to Casa del Mundo in Lake Atitlan, and ooh, Casa del Mundo is actually a hotel in a tiny town called Jaibalito on the shores of Lake Atitlan. I stayed there for two nights. It is beautiful. It is quaint. It is definitely not charging what they should be charging for the kind of views and service they give you. And they do communal dinners every night, so it's a Aww. good way to meet the other people staying. That's so nice. Yeah, and their food was actually one of the like best foods I had in Guatemala, too. Wow. Yeah, like, I take really good care to feed you well. I knew we weren't done talking about food. No, it's going to keep going. <laughs> and I know it sounds kind of boring to think, like, oh, just, like, this is a hotel recommendation, but I can't even begin to describe how magical this place is. It is, you know, it is a little bit isolated, which means that it's very peaceful, 
but the waters near it are very clean, so you can swim. Oh, nice. Yeah, which is not the case in a lot of the other towns in uh, around Lake Atitlan. They also provide kayaks and snorkeling. Oh, nice. Yeah, to guests. Um, I didn't snorkel, but a couple who are staying there did, and they said it's really... Uh, creepy because the water has been rising in Lake Atitlan so when you snorkel you can actually see like chairs and balconies and other remains of things that used to be above water and have now been and has now been yeah submerged submerged yeah <laughs> wow um, that's awesome I know and the people who work there were so so kind and very helpful, and it's very easy to get to other towns from it. So it's not like you have to stay there all day. You can go and explore the other towns. Um, so that was by far my favorite place, and I highly recommend it to anyone. Link yeah. in yes. the podcast notes. Yes, I'm like, do they have a link? They do. They do have a link, but it's like, don't ruin it, people. Keep yeah. it among. Oh, keep it among the listeners. Seriously, make yeah. it a haven for solo female travelers. Yes. <laughs> so. That was the thing that you enjoyed most. <laughs> what was the thing that you enjoyed the least? All right. Guys, hiking up a volcano was the most overrated experience of my entire life. Your entire life? My entire life. <laughs> no. that's, a, that's a pretty sweeping statement there. I know. I know. It's, it's Okay, I will say this. Part of it was bad luck. I guess the point of hiking up the Pacaya Volcano, which is near Antigua, is because of the amazing views you can see there. And the four days that I was in Antigua, we had kind of crappy weather. It was very foggy and it would sometimes rain. So when we went up, we got no view. So I have no idea if it's just this breathtaking, amazing place, if it's sunny out. But since that wasn't the experience I had, what I saw was... Climbing, 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 lots of fog, some volcanic rock, we toast some marshmallows, and then we climb back down. And it did it did kind of look like something out of Star Wars at the top though, I will say, because you're just like you just see ash and the fog was completely enveloping you, so you could only see a few feet like in front of you. So you know, that was that was kind of creepy and eerie. Um but it's not anything I would do again, and it actually made me not sign up for any more hikes the rest of my trip. Oh, no. I mean, I don't know if I care. I'm like, okay, this is clearly not for me. See, I care. <laughs> you don't. You're yeah. fine with it. <laughs> I know, but there was one that I was thinking of maybe doing in Lake Atitlan, which is um, hiking up Indian Nose, and apparently that's the name of the mountain. And. Apparently, it's what a lot of people suggest, and you get to see, like, amazing sunrises, but at that point, just the idea of waking up early to do physical exercise that I don't enjoy for something that might not have a big payoff just didn't seem worth it. So, Inez has many more thoughts. Yes. (laughs) On on this subject. Thoughts that cannot be contained by this podcast. No. (laughs) And where can they find those thoughts, Inez? They can, they can find it on a blog post. Uh, it's true. Some of this is best expressed through written word, my friends. <laughs> a little more refined. Yeah. At, uh, at xxwilltravel.com. Yes, a blog post I, I titled, I tried being sporty in Guatemala, and I failed. <laughs> and it's really funny because <laughs> we've never had such personal responses to a blog post. <laughs> 
But there are all these ladies calling out Inez by name, like, yeah, Inez, you do you. And I know. I had no idea that there were other people who felt the tyranny of trying to be sporty while traveling. I thought I was the only one. But no, there's a lot of us. And I say we should get together so we can knock back some drinks <laughs> and not do anything in an amazing location. But drinking is a sport. It can be, for sure. We live close to Wisconsin. That's you know. true. It's it's a competitive sport it, in the Midwest. It is. Well, yes. It is. Yeah. All right. So um, is there any other hike that you might do again? Like, um, I mean, I wouldn't do a hike, but I will say another thing that I really loved about Guatemala, and this was more in Antigua. Um, Antigua was kind of um, the capital city of Guatemala, before several earthquakes ruined it back in the 1800s. And it was one of the major centers during the Spanish colonies, which means that there are ruins of some really majestic looking buildings, including the cathedrals and several convents and several churches. And that was amazing. It definitely um, sparked my imagination to kind of, you know, think about how it used to be there. And if you're a history buff, I think Antigua has a lot to offer. Did you know about these ruins before you got there? Um, I mean, from what I read of my guidebook, but I don't think I fully envisioned it until I got there. I thought it would actually be less impressive. And then you hit the ruins of the old cathedral, and the sheer size of it makes it seem like it was just this crazy, ma massive church. Um, but, uh, but you know, none of this has been repaired or restored. Like, when it was ruined, it was in the 1800s, and I'm guessing back in the day they thought there's no point in trying to rebuild this. So they started just um, building very low kind of structures. And now I don't know if there would be a reason to do so, and I doubt that the Guatemalan government has the will or the money to even want to. It sounds very post-apocalyptic. It is. It's a little post-apocalyptic <laughs> in a really cool way. So, yeah. so you went to you went to Star Wars on top of that volcano <laughs> and experienced post-apocalyptic Guatemala. Yes, on totally. the ground. <laughs> so, what was the most surprising thing you learned about Guatemala? I knew that they still had a really big indigenous population, but I didn't realize exactly how woven into the fabric of society it was. I mean, Peru has a pretty big indigenous population as well, but because it's a bigger country and everything is kind of further apart, I don't really hear in my daily life people speaking indigenous languages or wearing indigenous dress or, you know, like having a lot of indigenous practices. But you see that in Guatemala and especially in Lake Atitlan, where it's mostly um, several, you know, indigenous groups that kind of live around the lake. Most of the workers at the at Casa del Mundo, for example, would speak in their own language, not in Spanish. Wow. And what is um, the language? Oh, God. They had, like, several names. Like, most of them, I'm sorry, just, like, don't even remember. Wow. Because it, was, it wasn't even just, you know, like, one general indigenous language, like Quechua or Aymara. It was a lot of, like, small little dialects, and then it would change depending on um, the, the town you were in. That's too. crazy. Yeah, and even though, I mean, they un they understood Spanish, obviously, and they could speak it, but I think because of my accent in Spanish, I would usually have to communicate with them pretty, like, you know, talking in an even tone, 
and also using kind of simple words because sometimes I would totally lose them. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was really, really cool and kind of awesome. And a lot of the towns around Lake Atitlan have preserved their traditions. You know, I went to several weaving co-ops in San Juan de la Laguna. Um, you know, where they kind of use like the old techniques to create all these fabrics. So, so yes, I would say that I didn't realize exactly how much um, the indigenous society was still there and kind of, yeah, yeah, living and thriving. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say it again because it's like one of the main things I know about Guatemala, despite all the upheaval. Yeah, yeah, despite, like, the terrible violence that, you know, was mostly done towards indigenous people yes. during the Civil War. Like, yeah. the Civil War, they wiped out, like, that was one of their goals, yeah. was to wipe out the indigenous people. Yeah, but they're still there, and I mean, hopefully, you know, at this point, it's something that Guatemala as a country will kind of preserve and see as a positive, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, they seem to be doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so do you have any tips or recommendations for people who would like to visit Guatemala? Um, yes, I mean, definitely go to Antigua. It's it's a super pretty city, very quaint. And, um, you know, there's also like a lot of restaurants and cool boutiques and cafes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, also go to Lake Atitlan. But for Lake Atitlan, I would say really research what town you would like to be in and stay in that town because they all have their different like characteristics so San Juan de la Laguna that's where all the weaving co-ops are and even though there are a couple of hotels there it's like you know there's not a lot of restaurants there's not a lot of tourist infrastructure so if you want like some some like real hardcore Guatemalan life you know go to that one then San Marcos, there's a bunch of yoga retreats and meditation retreats. So if you're a type of person who wants to do that kind of stuff, stay there. I also stayed in San Pedro, which I nicknamed Backpacker Hellhole <laughs> because that's what it is. You just see, like, backpackers getting drunk everywhere. So the Cosan Row. Yes, yeah, yeah, the Cosan Road <laughs> of Guatemala. Of Guatemala, um, which can be fun or not, depending on your age. Um, so yeah, just research that. I would also say in terms of packing, bring layers because Guatemala is a country of microclimates and Antigua will not have the same weather as Lake Atitlan and during the day it will be warm and at night it can get really cold. So, you know, just make sure that you pack things for warm and cold weather. Um, and I would say, I mean, there's a lot that I missed. I I think you could spend more than two weeks in Guatemala just um, seeing different things. You know, I didn't go to uh, Tikal. I didn't go to Tikal, which is one of the main reasons to go. It's a huge complex of Mayan ruins. But it's such a pain in the butt to get there that it literally would have cost me like several days to just go to the location. So maybe figure out what's important to you in Guatemala, because even though it's a small country, it's not easily accessible. Mm -hmm. in some ways yeah so you've mentioned um the food tours and your amazing hotel do you any other shout outs to companies that you used or tours or other places yeah um so in san pedro backpacker hellhole <laughs> there was a bar called buddha and it's so easy to get to because it's kind of legendary but it was a very nice chill 
place. I had several drinks there and it was fun and they actually had good food. Then in Antigua, I also went to a bar called uh, Por Que No? And it is one of the most random places I have ever seen. It's tiny. It's a little corner and it has two floors. But in order to get to the second one, you actually have to use the help of a rope because no. the stairs are so steep. That's awesome. <laughs> it is super cool. And the owners there were very, very, very friendly. They spoke to me. They introduced me to their Guatemalan friends. So it was the one night where I actually partied with Guatemalans as opposed to, you know, the backpackers in my hostel. Mm-hmm. And... um at uh, Hotel Amanecer, which is where I stayed in San Pedro, there is a massage therapist called Ada. Ada. She's the one massage therapist they have, but she was very nice and gave me excellent service. So I highly recommend her if you want to get a massage. Which many of us do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but all in all, it was a wonderful experience. I really, really enjoyed Guatemala. Um, anything else to add? No, I would say just go. I think actually it's very overlooked. And hearing about people's travels around Central America, like to Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador, not just the big hitters like Costa Rica or Panama, it seemed like that region is so much more diverse than we give credit for and very beautiful. So I'm actually really excited to see more of it. Awesome. (laughs) That's a good note to end the show on. And um, so you have, Inez has a lot of love for Guatemala. And if you have a lot of love for us, <laughs> segue. Yes. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at xxwilltravel. We are at xxwilltravel.com where you can read more about Inez's dislike of hiking, <laughs> among other gems. And, oh, if you really like us, review us on iTunes and let us know because... We need to be validated, guys. Yes. <laughs> Raise our self-esteem. Exactly. It's your responsibility. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I guess there's nothing else left to say except go forth and travel.